Alright, dude.、Uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Freestyle Way podcast. Sitting here with Rylan Hormel. What's up, dude? What up? You just got back from Japan? I'm back, baby. What was the one sentence that、uh, summarized your trip?、Uh, the one sentence、uh, Japan was a country that、uh, shocked me, moved me, inspired me, motivated me, and it's the only place I've ever been that I was more culture shocked coming home. Nice. Yeah. Was this your first time to Japan? First time to Japan, and the longest time I've ever traveled by myself. I was by myself for about 12 days. Wow. With no plan the entire time. That's very cool. Booking one way tickets, one way bus rides, Airbnbs at the, the day of. That's crazy.、Awesome. And you came home with a new tattoo? Came home with a new tattoo. Yeah, we're going to talk about my tattoos like every episode. So, so, so the, the podcast has initiated your, your tattoo I guess, journey. I guess so, yeah. That's crazy. What, what's your tattoo? My tattoo is a series of concentric circles.、Um, and I actually had this,、uh, to keep a long story short, this kind of moment in a flotation tank when I was、uh, working in the industry where、um, it was. Very stressed in my life, was having some shit go down. And、um, so I you know, went into a float tank to kind of ease my mind. And I had this、um, kind of visual of these like white rings. And you can have these like very loose visuals in float tanks.、Um, these white rings that kept going from big to small. And then all of a sudden I had this realization I'm like, this is me. I'm taking on all of the negativity around me and I'm putting it on my shoulders. I'm feeling everything. And as soon as I had that thought, the, the patterns of the rings shifted and started going from small to big. And that was a re- representation of what I want to be a positive emission or output of energy. So it's just、uh, it's a reminder to me to just be this positive output of energy. I love it. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for sharing.、Um, it's good to be back. Good to ha- see you, man. Yeah, good to see you too. I don't have any tattoos. Maybe I start,、yeah. start tomorrow. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Anyways,、uh, welcome back, everyone.、Uh, today we are back at the Insider, the event that we hosted here in San Francisco、uh, in 2019. And we have another one of the guest speakers、uh, on the show today. Her name is Diane Sanfilippo. You may have、uh, heard her here on the podcast before. I actually had her in season two. And、uh, she's the author of several books.、Uh, her, I think, most famous book is Practical Paleo. And that's actually how we met her. Tanya read Practical Paleo. We became friends with her. And now we are friends with her and her husband, Scott. Scott happens to be my chiropractor too.、Uh, so it's just this full thing. And uh, we uh, dog sit for each other. So that's, that's、uh, our relationship. But yeah, she, she was at the Insider and she gave a great talk around the topic of、uh, entrepreneurship. And、uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's worth sharing here because Diane has very strong opinions about how certain things are supposed to be. At the same time, she has this ability to be very flexible in the way that she pursues what she believes in. And I think that that ability to adapt is what allows for one to grow. And Diane expresses it so well in her craft as a businesswoman that、uh, when she talks about it, I think whether you're into business or not, you're going to be able to relate at many different levels. So that's, that's why I wanted to share it here on the podcast. And,、um, And see if this resonated a little bit different than the conversation that I had with her last season, which I don't think you've listened to. No. Yeah, which would be interesting if you go back and listen to it because that conversation was very much all over the place. And this,、uh, and it was on purpose.、Uh, and this one is very,、uh, really anchored in what entrepreneurship is. And it's cool because you get to hear people like Nate Helming, who has also been on this podcast. Uh, talk about the run experience and ask her questions、uh, during her talk. And、uh, my co author, Tony Sherbandi, also asking her questions and making this talk pretty dynamic, especially towards the end. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm it's, excited. A, it's a really good talk. Yeah. And, and, and people really had a lot to say. And、uh, I think it was going to bring great value to, to the listener. So, anyways. Without further ado, here is Diane Sanfilippo, and we will check in with you on the back end. 
Thank you. And Carl actually pronounces my last name correctly right off the bat, which is really nice. Um, how many of you are familiar with any of my work whatsoever? Some of you, Angel, you Angel? I've trained at SFCF with you for like a minute maybe. Um, so that was about six or seven out of the room. Um, so as Carl said, my first book, Practical Paleo, came out in 2012. Before that, I was actually, uh, well, way, way back to about 2007, 2008, when I was studying holistic nutrition here in San Francisco. I uh, studied at Bowman College in Berkeley, so I don't know if any of you are familiar with the programs there. But uh, I got into CrossFit like a couple years after that and basically learned about paleo nutrition from Rob Wolf. And I decided this is the stuff that I want to teach. So I was teaching in gyms for, I don't know, three or four years at least around the country. And any, any number of folks, maybe about 30 people to about 100 people, three hours to eight hours, um, teaching about holistic nutrition, and that was kind of the foundation for what later became most of my books here. But even before that, I actually started with cooking meals locally here in San Francisco. Uh, Balanced Bites was the name of my company. This was late 2007 into early 2008. Uh, par for the course for me, I'm sometimes a little early with things. So it was a little bit before people were ready for that type of thing. There were a few brands doing something similar, but I was doing grass-fed meat, organic. I was doing gluten-free, not grain-free at the time, and personally cooking the food over in the East Bay dropping it off in these cooler bags, this exact bag, this is from 2008, and dropping that off around the city to, I had friends and peers who were personal trainers, they would tell their clients, I want you to eat this food. Great, maybe had like 20 clients. So just kind of file that away, and at the time my dad said to me, so again, this is 2008, maybe you should write down your recipes, one day you'll write a cookbook. So fast forward, I'm teaching nutrition, eventually get to this place where I see what, how many of you know who Rob Wolf is, know his work, okay? Um, I usually know the room, so um, I saw what Rob Wolf did with the Paleo Solution, and I saw what I was teaching in gyms, and this combination of the fact that folks were learning the what and the why, but not necessarily a lot of the how. So I combined my background of loving to cook, growing up cooking, knowing good flavors, knowing what tastes good, with what I did with Balanced Bites, with what I was doing teaching in the gyms. And eventually ended up creating this ebook that I would give to my seminar participants called the Practical Paleo Nutrition Guide. I don't remember how long it was, this little stapled thing that I would hand out for free with your attendance. And a couple years later, uh, Sarah Fergoso wrote a book called Everyday Paleo. And I remember I got the book. And this is a moment that I want you guys to kind of pay attention to because I realize now that this is not the vibe that most people get when they see other people doing things that they might want to do. I got this book and I thought, I could do this. And I could do it a lot better. Like, that's legit what I thought because I saw the photos. I was like, these are a disaster. And credit to her for even doing it. Like, I don't know who took the photos, who plated the food. This is not a knock on the work that she did because that opened the door for me, right? It, it paved the way for me to see a little piece of what's possible. But when I knew my capabilities with food, with aesthetics, I do have a background in graphic design. I'm actually 100 years old, not 41. So <laughs> um, I have a background in graphic design and small business marketing. So combining all of those things together, I was like, people need to know not just why this stuff works for the body, but how to do it. Like, I need to make it practical. So when I wrote Practical Paleo and released that book, it actually became a New York Times bestseller. It was at the moment when paleo was kind of, how many of you have eaten paleo if you don't eat paleo now? Like, kind of a lot of us. Um, and so it was a little piece of magic in that moment of this is the wave combined with what I, you know, I, I don't like to take a lot of credit for the fact that I did a certain amount of this work, but it was the hardest I've ever fucking worked. Like, I looked like I was about to be dead, like bloodshot eyes all the time. No, I'm not, no drugs, none, like caffeine. That was basically it. Um, but writing that book really took everything out of me. I poured everything into it. So it was on the New York Times bestseller list for almost two years. More than half a million copies have been sold. And that is not through my own doing. It was really of the community and of the fact that I really just poured everything into this piece of work. 
and allowed it to serve the community in a way that I could never do. I could never reach all those people. I could never get to all those CrossFit gyms and sit in the room and teach people how to cook and actually make it happen. So um, all of that stuff combined, feeding forward many years, so many titles later, a lot of folks are like, oh, she wrote this book or these two books. I'm like, actually, there was a few more in between there. So Carl was like, how many is it? Uh, There's actually five titles, but Practical Paleo I rewrote, so the first edition, and then there's an updated second edition from now it's three years ago. So all of this coming together, uh, when I first started Balanced Bites as a meal business back in late 2007, early 2008, I had quit a job in graphic design because I was waking up every day just wanting to cook and wanting to don't laugh, but like I wanted to count macros for people and figure out what their balance of their plate should be, how much protein they should be getting, fat and carbs. So I was waking up super passionate about this other thing, not about the graphic design stuff that I was getting paid to do every day. And I was even working from home. So I was like getting up and cooking and you know, not really paying as much attention to this other thing. So eventually when I did quit that job um, and went back to school to study nutrition, I knew that getting into cooking food for people wasn't going to be a cheap endeavor. And what ended up happening was a lot of folks told me, you need to write a business plan, you need to get a loan, because if you're going to do this for real, you're going to need a lot of money behind it. Well, I'm very risk averse. I will only typically bet on myself. Um, I would rather work really, really hard than take your money. Because if I take your money, I also have to take your opinion. And the last thing I want most of the time are other people's opinions. I think that a lot of us feel pretty often, especially in this social media world, that crowdsourcing is a good idea. And I'm going to get into a little bit later when listening to the audience, like that is critical and it is important because you need to shape what you're doing in a way that people will want to buy it. But if you are not the one who's truly driving the business forward and you're constantly answering to what people are saying and pandering to what folks are telling you to do, then you are not actually the entrepreneur and you are not in charge. You're letting yourself be driven by other people instead of really being the one who's driving the car. Does that make sense? So I did not write a business plan. I think most business plans are bullshit. Um, Most of what people plan does not happen. Uh, most of the time you're writing that because you're trying to get investors. And I think especially in this vibe in San Francisco and in this climate, we're watching Shark Tank, we're seeing people take investments. Maybe some of you have done that. Maybe you feel good about that or not at this point after having done it. I have several entrepreneur friends. Um, maybe some of you are familiar with the Fat Fudge. It's a, a performance fuel fudge food type of thing. And uh, Mary Chanuda, who founded that company, she and I are close friends and we're very aligned on this idea of the second you start to give up um, some ownership is really the second that your soul starts getting chipped away at because you just can't be the one who's moving it forward. So um, what happened over the years of writing books, I eventually got to a place where with Practical Paleo, uh, I had made these spice blends. I did this when I was in the kitchen with Balanced Bites, making my life easier to just grab one jar of something. And I'm not I'm not pitching spices or any of the stuff that I have here. Like, you guys, I'm like, no, I really, I'm very much like, buy it or don't, which we can talk about that too if you want. But um, I wanted a solution for myself. What I did in Practical Paleo to create recipes was, let's just get basic food, and then here's the way I cook, a bunch of spices, a bunch of fat, cool, we're done. So I gave people recipes for the spice blends, but I realized that even just making those is a tough step for a lot of people. And I didn't want to have to make them all the time. So I was like, well, if I want this in my kitchen and I'm actually really good at cooking, it's one of my top five skills is what I like to say. Um, If I'm really good at cooking and I don't want to pull this stuff out of the cabinet all the time, why don't I produce these? So I got to it, um, blending and creating what would then become this jarred product. Uh, I did not want to be in a business where I was dealing with inventory and fulfillment and a website where I was selling products. I didn't want to do it. I did it many, many years ago with a different business that I had selling jewelry before most people had online stores. I had this online store through Yahoo. I don't know if anybody knows back in the day, Yahoo shopping was like the thing. Now we're mostly on Shopify if you have a website. Um, 
I didn't want to do that. And I did have a friend, Tony Casandrinos. They have an olive oil company, which I basically pushed them to start back in the day. It was probably almost 10 years ago now. He's a now, now retired uh, Marine Corps officer. And uh, they said, you know what? We'll help you out. We'll fulfill this stuff for you. So that was the type of partnership for me where I was like, cool, these friends are going to help me out. They're going to say, we're going to give you a bit of a platform to get this product out. I could see that as a way to move forward. And, and we had a really good deal going where, you know, I was referring lots of people to their website, but we, we weren't separating any finances or any of that. Like they weren't taking a cut of my business. I was just referring a lot of people to their site to be able to buy my product and theirs. So it was a really nice synergistic situation. But eventually we realized that that wasn't the best way forward, that I really needed my own site. So separated that out. Um, and what I've been doing so far with the product has been these large jars, because again, as somebody who cooks a lot, I felt like small jars of blends of spices that I had would run out too quickly and it would really bother me. So I didn't like how other people were doing it and I made the decision to make these large jars. Well, that ended up being not maybe the best decision because most folks are not understanding how big this is from the internet and all they see is a price tag. So now here's the part where paying attention to what your audience is doing and listening to feedback. This is a skill that everyone needs to really develop listening without asking the question and listening to the behavior, not listening to the words. Because I think people will say they will buy something and people are like, I'm writing that down. They'll say they'll buy something, but what they actually buy is not that. So the behavior that I've seen is a large misunderstanding of what it means when I say large jars. I show people in demonstrations all the time, but they're responding to the price more than they're responding to anything else. So the next development or the next round of what I've purchased, now this is three years in, I now have fulfillment coming in the next month or two of like a normal size spice jar. This is what you're used to seeing in the stores. And so that's what I'm gonna start selling because I learned sort of the hard way. And I had to learn that for myself, right? If somebody tried to tell me in the beginning, don't do that, it's not gonna work, here's why. I personally was not really gonna take that advice because if I'm the entrepreneur, I have to learn it the hard way. So now we're going to these small jars. We'll see what happens. We'll see if this was the right move. Uh, but that's the move that I'm taking. And you guys, I think, all got some swag in your bag. Everybody got a little spice pack. So. Just a little example here, when my co-packer sent me a sample of, okay, here's what the next size of jar is gonna look like. We just used the stickers that were on those small bags that you guys have, um, just to kind of show me a mock-up. And then I worked out what, um, what the real jar would look like. So all of this coming from back when I was cooking meals in 2007, 2008, and really having this business transition forward. So the last kind of iteration now that I'm in, I told you Balance Bites was a meal delivery business back in 2008. Well, uh, about 10 months ago, a friend of mine contacted me and said, do you want to make frozen meals? And I was like, actually, funny you should ask, because about a month before that, I said to my friend Tony Casandrinos, remember with the Olive Oil Company, I said, I'm trying to think of what I want for Balance Bites. And I've already had things like salad dressings kind of on my mind, and I'm thinking about getting formulations for that. And I said, Maybe one day I'll do frozen meals. I'm not kidding you. I said this to him. I think this is why I'm afraid to actually make plans because a lot of times, like, they actually happen. So it's a little scary when you say things out loud. Um, but I said to him, like, maybe it'll be frozen meals one day, maybe my recipes. So my friend contacted me. They have kitchens and they do this kind of thing. Do you, do you want to make frozen meals? I was like, hell yeah, I want to make frozen meals. So my husband was playing golf. Last December, we're in Maui. He goes out to play golf for the day, and I spend a few hours working, and he comes back, I'm like, honey, I'm starting a new business. <laughs> we're going to Maui tomorrow, so I'm like, honey, watch out. I'm gonna go play golf again. Um, so now we have actual frozen meals, balanced bites, full circle moment, balsamic barbecue beef. This is one of the recipes that I actually used to cook for my clients way back in early 2008, and we transitioned it into this frozen meal. It was also recipe and practical paleo. So this is something that people have had experience with. They've been able to make my recipes and taste the food at least a little bit in their own home, see what it's gonna be like, and now we've transitioned it into something that, I, I almost can't believe what I'm saying. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like, it feels like it's been a minute, and it's been almost a, it's been a decade or more. So 
that's how long this stuff really took me. Um, I still feel like I am in a grind. I have minimums I need to be hitting with these meals and over the summer it's a slow time and I'm finally kind of back to the place where I'm actually hitting those minimums and back to a place where we can do some more development. Um, but it's, it was not easy. I mean, I spent almost 10 years teaching people how to do it for themselves, teaching people how to cook, how to you know, choose healthier options. And then all of a sudden I come in and I say, let me do it for you, right? I kind of like take that away. So it's been an interesting transition. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's new for me every single week. It's a hustle and a grind to be able to figure out how to communicate best with the people who are out there who've been learning from me for the last decade. Um, but that's kind of been the background and the story of all of that. Now, the thing I want to add into the mix here is that social media barely existed when I started my business. So back in 2012, when Practical Paleo first came out, my first Instagram post was like me in Atlantic City, <laughs> hanging out with Brazen Athletics, my you know, gym people from New Jersey. It was not about business back then. <laughs> It was really very much Insta. You could not upload a photo you took before. You had to take it in the moment. So this idea of being able to combine who you are with what your business and your brand is, it's really complicated these days because a lot of folks are nervous about being like their true selves and kind of possibly pissing some people off, saying something that people don't like. Uh, when you line up the spices of my line, it's a rainbow and I put them that way because I love a rainbow and also I am not afraid for people to think that I'm here to be like pro whatever everybody's rights. I'm like, yes, it means everything you think it means. If you see that rainbow, like I, I don't want anyone to feel like this company is not for them. Um, but all of those things are very tricky and scary to kind of navigate when you're new and you're building a business and you're worried that you're going to piss somebody off who has money to spend. But I think about this all the time. I don't know if any of you guys um, watch Queer Eye or have seen like the new incarnation of it with Jonathan Van Ness. And he's like the most out there, most flamboyant, most, I don't know, divisive character. Some people might love him or hate him, but there are plenty of people to help him run a business. So whatever it is that you're nervous that a lot of people are not gonna be into or you might stand up for something or say something or wanna be um, standing up for different types of people, and you're nervous about actually taking a stand for something. I think that when you're running a business, you actually have to do that. I think that ultimately what a lot of people want to uh, separate, but it's inseparable, is the fact that companies are not an intangible thing. Businesses are not an intangible thing. And they're not even the product. A company is the people behind it. It's always a person making the decision, right? Whether it's the packaging or the ingredients or the branding and the marketing. So I think at the end of the day, you have to be the one who feels really good about who you're including, who you're talking to, who you are supporting in your business, and not worry about the people who are not going to vibe with what you're doing because they're not your customer. And if you're constantly worried about upsetting them, then you're not going to be living in a place where you can kind of move forward and make positive decisions for your business. Um, so I have a couple of questions for you guys before we get into questions. Um, can some of you tell me what types of businesses you are either already working in or looking to start? Whoever wants to be bold, maybe up in the back. You guys were taking a lot of notes when she comes back. <laughs> Online training programs. What's your business? I don't know what your name is. Her. Me. You're Nate. Yeah. You teach running. Yes. So my business is the Run Experience. The Run Experience. Yeah. Okay, so online training, online training app or no app? No app. And then what's your business? Um, personal training and uh, nutritional coaching. Okay, have we met? You look familiar, okay. But everybody kind of looks familiar because we all kind of look the same. <laughs> <laughs> Our outfits. Um, do you guys want to share what your businesses are? No? I don't fitness studio just down the road. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm a head coach at Telegraph CrossFit. I wanted uh, I talked to Carl before about it, and uh, my boss 
focus on like youth at risk with fitness and prisoners that are coming out, mm -hmm. positioning, how CrossFit changed my life, and how a lot of people in prison love to work out. And that's how we <coughs> vibe and make community in there while coming out, how yeah. it can help change their lives. Awesome. Yeah, I think you did a gymnastics class with Tanya with my husband. Yeah. It's my chiro. You like basically smoked him on it because he was like <laughs> not bendy and new and like tall runner body that I've packed like 20 pounds of muscle onto in the last six years. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Um, okay, cool. So I would love to just chat and hear what types of questions you guys have when it comes to moments where you're a little bit. I don't know, you're feeling like you either don't trust your own intuition or there's people in your ear kind of telling you, here's the way you should do it. Um, or if you've got questions or concerns around which parts you should actually do the work on versus hire for, I think that's a really common thing that we kind of get caught up on in the beginning, right? Um, or anything else that's kind of on your mind. I wanted to give you guys some backstory of my journey of what I've gone through, just so you could see the breadth of the type of things that I've lived through, because there's a lot of story that I'm like, that was 20 minutes, so I don't, I don't know how to get into every detail of the minutia behind it, but like websites, the only thing I don't have, I don't have an app, um, but websites, and, and I don't have an app for a reason, because I think it's, it's hard to maintain and expensive to maintain. But it's probably a place that some people need to be in. So, yeah. Have you ever, were you ever given Can you speak louder? Have you ever given the Was I given the opportunity to go into business with someone? Um, I was given an investment opportunity several years ago, and I really believed in and still believe in the product. I was very unsure about the person, and ultimately it, was, it worked out well that I did not give a bunch of money to this person because I still, they're still grinding, but... Someone coming to my business? Oh, I, I wouldn't do it. Um, because I just don't, I mean, I'm already kind of in a partnership with the folks who are um, producing the meals. So that's already some people who have a say and there's a lot of like, I don't know, I don't wanna call it red tape because it's, it's my food and when I taste it and I'm like, nope, this isn't right, we go back and we iterate and we make it right. But if there were just more opinions coming in that's just going to dilute my vision. So I think ultimately diluting your vision is, is always tricky. And I think if you can do that in a way, if I had somebody who I felt, listen, I don't know if you all know your Enneagram types, if you know enough about your personality. Did we, did you, we know that. Different types of people really work well in partnerships. I am not one of them. I'm not, I need to be the boss. I have a team of people that work with me um, and it's just what's comfortable for me. It's not comfortable for everyone. And I think you need to self audit because if you're like, I can't handle the stress of I'm the one paying the bills, I'm the one up at night because I can't pay the bills or I just took something else on, then being the entrepreneur might not be for you. And ultimately, there is always one person whose shoulders it falls on. And I think that it's important to know that just because you have an excellent idea, an amazing set of skills, and you are an excellent coach, or you can actually, like, you might be the talent, you might not be the business owner. And that's the case in which having someone really run things. Like, I'm not the best at operations and financial stuff. I'm good at adding. So like, I'm not in a situation where I'm nervous that I'm not gonna pay the bills. Otherwise, I would dig into it a lot more. I have a bookkeeper and an accounting firm and all of that. But if I were not good at actually bringing dollars in the door, I would need someone who was good at that. Does that make sense? So are you guys like kind of feeling, some of you are like, maybe I'm the talent, maybe I'm not really the business person. And some of us can, can sort of be both. Some can't, and you guys have seen this in gyms too, right? Where like the person who's an amazing coach is a shitty business owner. They cannot run the business. Logan's never seen that. 
<laughs> I mean, every gym I've been to, right? It's always like there's the charismatic coach and then the person who's actually keeping the lights on. And some of us can be both, sort of. Not most. But that's okay. I don't want anyone to feel like you should be able to do both. I feel like I needed another question timer, by the way. Uh, it's fine. I okay. kind of have it. Um, did did anyway, you? If you feel comfortable like this, we just go keep oh, going yeah, like fine. this. It's awesome. It's like my yeah. entire life uh, is like Q&A. Yeah, go for it. Did you? Did you? Oh, I um, uh, I might <coughs> We'll come back. Oh, the oh. idea that um, if you are the um, person behind it and running it, and I think um, what, what would your opinion or ideas be behind finding the right way to address that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's where it's tricky is that like I have I know what I feel and I want. But I find it really hard or maybe it makes me nervous to hire people that are gonna understand that and project that correct mm. image out there. So hiring versus partnering you mean? Yeah. Because that's different. Because right. I have people that work for me. Right. You know? But... Yeah, we'll say hiring versus partnering. Um, so I have a team right now. They're all contract folks, the people who work with me. It all happens to be women. Um, and they do all different kinds of jobs, from administrative to marketing. I'll say the thing I've learned over time is to find people who have the right attitude and the right energy and work ethic because you can teach skills to somebody with the right attitude, energy, and work ethic. You can't teach attitude, energy, or work ethic. So what I've seen in the women who are on my team who've stayed with me, who I don't think they're like, they're not functioning in the way that I am, but I'm, I'm the boss and I'm the one who's supposed to be like leading the way. But they are loyal. They care about my business. They're going to put their effort in. They put their heart into it. So for me, it's been about finding those types of people. And I, I think that that depends, again, on who you are. My personality, I need a loyal person first and foremost. I don't care if you screw something up. You send that email with the wrong link, whatever. I know that your intention was in the right place. I know that you, you know what I mean? So that's kind of an abstract answer. But I really think that in... 10 years of having people who I've worked with. Most of the women on my team have worked with me for three to six years, like a long time, because we figure it out that we're kind of in the right relationship. Um, so I, I think that the relationship is actually the most important part. Yeah, I mean, that's like an emotional intelligence thing. So skills are important, but when you actually have to start working with that person, you're like, I don't care how smart you are. I can't even, I, there are people, I don't even want to get on the phone with them. I, I, that happens. <laughs> That's awesome. Tony? So on that note, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> on that note <laughs> it was people. <laughs> but sometimes people accuse me of being annoyed. Um, I think uh, what uh, really came across to me um, with what you spoke about right now is just this tour de force of your pragmatic approach, you know, to solving things. And I mean, it says practical failure. And then everything was very iterative. Like, the next step, mm -hmm. you crush it because you crushed it with just an execution mm -hmm. and, like, you know, a purity because you're doing it from yourself. Thank you. But I, but I wonder about, or and, mm -hmm. I wonder, mm -hmm. because some of it, especially with the balanced bite, it showed this vision that you have. Mm -hmm. There's also this ability to come up with a vision that maybe is really far-reaching. Maybe it's kind of hard to do if you're this pure one person, all control. And nutrition is such like, there's such an ability to change the world like right now. I sort of feel like now is the time for like big vision, big, big thing, you know, going to Mars type of vision basically. <clears throat> Elon Musk. I'm smiling and laughing because you're saying this about vision, but actually, one of the things I am. Um, least secure about that I talked to some of my like what I call this is a Brene Brown reference a kitchen cabinet the like three to five people whose opinions I actually care about um, I don't have long term vision like I have this one to three years it would be cool to make this thing 
Um, I had no idea what would happen with Balanced Bites. The fact that the fact that I still have this bag and I'm again now selling these meals, like it blows my mind because I did not see that for myself. I did not see something much greater. I did not imagine Practical Paleo would create this platform for me and be this thing. It's always very much um, in this much more tunnel vision bubble of I can't not make this thing or do this thing and to your point like solve this problem and and fix this thing for people help them solve their problems it's always been in a very small place um, I just I don't actually have this big grand vision I don't have it I'm just working on this thing that I'm excited about like because if it's my time and energy and attention even more so than my money, that's my most important asset. So I'm deciding how am I gonna spend my time and attention every single day because time is ticking. Like that's my, that's how, I, that's the only vision that I have is that I wanna wake up every day and do stuff I wanna do. I wanna help people. I love, so this was something I know Carl maybe wanted me to talk about that I didn't get into, but I love that I'm in people's houses and like, they get up and they're making their eggs and like my brand, they're shaking that on their food and I'm a part of people's everyday lives and I'm making it just a little bit easier for them or more enjoyable. But the other part of it too is that my, um, my sort of personal take on the world is that a lot of people are very much just affected by what other people want for them. Um, people are not good at moving forward with what's from within them just moving from their gut more. And that is something that I also like to convey through social media. So part of, part of what people will come to me with a lot of questions that are Googleable, and I'm constantly creating and setting boundaries through social media where I'm like, that's cool. Some people like it when they're the resource for you. I don't. If you could Google it, I think you should Google it. And people find it really off-putting. Um, I mean, I've walked into gyms. I did this at San Francisco CrossFit where I'm like, are you seriously drinking muscle milk to the owner of the gym? I said that. Because I'm just like, I don't care. How did that go over? <laughs> Yay, Kay. Uh. But I think, um, but I think when, it, when it comes to... When it comes to the idea of vision, and I don't know if maybe I'm just like, I'm on a tangent and there is a question that I should be answering here, but I think people get too caught up and I'm like telling myself this now. I love, I have some friends who have big grand visions for their business and I'm like jealous. I wish I had that kind of long-term view, but this way has served me pretty well. I feel pretty good about it. I don't know what's gonna happen over the next 10 years, but I never could have imagined what would happen in the last 10. So I think that waking up every day and thinking there has to be some kind of grand vision is a bit idealistic and like pie in the sky, it would be nice. Um, and when I used to work in small business marketing, we would, we would compare what people would come out of graphic design school thinking they're gonna work for like Nike and Coca-Cola. We're like, you're working for Joe's Landscaping. This is the design work that you're doing. So I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs, we look at things like Uber or some of these big companies, we're like, I'm trying to be this big thing. Well, you still have to be in the grind every single day. You don't know when the day comes that there is that opportunity to take it from your daily hustle and showing up and doing that hard work to then explosion. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. anyway, I don't know. Was that, there was a question in there, but... I don't, I don't feel that I have vision. Whatever you're seeing, I appreciate, but I, I don't have a clue. We had a potential uh, spice, though, you said, though, that perhaps your idea of what knowing is, so there's one thing to cognitively have a vision and totally have this... Yeah intellectual idea of like, oh, I do this, <clears throat> that, 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 and then 10 years later, I'm on the moon. Right. Versus, I have this feeling, mm -hmm. it's kind of going right. back to a conversation we were just having this morning. Um, and also back yes. to uh, some birth fit type of stuff that I've been focusing on right now, mm -hmm. about to click up with dad. And this feminine energy of, you know, I haven't <clears throat> logically worked it out, I don't have the numbers, mm -hmm. but I have this feeling mm -hmm. of five years from now, and I don't know where it's going. Yeah. And I would say that, I, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of vision here because there's a lot of direction, but it's, it didn't, maybe you didn't cognitively say, well, then I'm going to do this, but it yeah. maybe it was felt that way. And then, you know, this other question that doesn't have to be answered now because I've already got a lot of your time, which was just, 
sometimes a lot of people believe that you kind of need a, a big support network sometimes mm -hmm. to make it to these sort of bigger leap spaces, which even if you don't cognitively know about, if you have this feeling of, mm -hmm. you know, the Diane mission is going in this direction, I don't exactly know where it is, but, you know, fill it out and, you know, maybe letting go and, you know, having this, you know, group of people that, you know, you collaborate with, going back to Angels, uh, it could be something interesting. I just wonder if that's, yeah. you know, you worry about that sometimes. I don't really worry about anything except dying. So if we just start with that, and and I actually don't think that the um, feeling uh, motion, I don't actually think that's feminine versus masculine because if you follow like um, Gary Vaynerchuk stuff, I very and does anybody? So I think most of you guys are probably familiar with Gary V. Yeah. Somewhat. If you're not, probably should be. Um, and then there's Marie Forleo, who is more of like driven female entrepreneur who does like business coaching for women and I I'm from New Jersey as well and I feel like I am somewhere in between because I'm very much like moved from the gut I don't make a plan I think plans are bullshit I think plans mislead people into thinking that when you check the boxes you will get to this place and that's not how any of it ever happens I think hearing people's stories and finding yourself in like, where am I in this kind of process? Like, what kinds of things are gonna come up that if I listen to what I wake up, like, I need to do this thing. Um, you know, my best friend's telling me they don't think it makes sense, but I've got 100 people who are buying this thing right now. So do I listen to the best friend who doesn't know shit about my industry, or do I listen to the 100 people who are paying for it? So I think it's, it's different personalities, and we don't all have that motivation I'm very like gut centric I, I always go with whatever my gut's telling me it's it's usually right enough that I'm not totally led astray it doesn't mean that every decision I make is as lucrative as I wish it would be um, I don't you know the business I'm in with my spices right now it's not the most profitable but it doesn't need to be. I have a lot of things going on. I didn't even mention like the three other lines of business that I have. So I think that there's just an element of, you know, I can move from my gut because I, I create my I create financial stability for myself in a lot of ways so that I give myself the freedom to make those decisions. Um, and if you're not in a place where you have that freedom, then you probably need to be working a little harder and have another job that you can bring money in with while you're building the thing that doesn't quite earn money or enough right now. I mean, people don't want to hear that. <laughs> Especially when you're in your 30s or 40s or late 20s. I don't know how old everyone is, but I have a side hustle. I have a network marketing business that I signed up for three years ago. I did not plan on doing any of that. I roped Tanya into it. Yes. Um, it's awesome, and I love it. And I actually get to do business mentorship, which is the thing that I light up the most about, is like talking to other people about their businesses, even though I have my own business. Um, and that is totally funding whatever I want to do. Like that's, you know, paying the mortgage in San Francisco and then some, and it's kind of like, it's awesome to have that. So if you can find something that you can do that's like in your sweet spot, that you can earn money with pretty easily, even if you feel like I'm an entrepreneur and this is like beneath me, like it's not beneath you, it's earning money, you know? I'm like, hello, let's pay the bills. So I, one of the yes, things that I was kind of laughing about was uh, you said, if I'm the entrepreneur, I have to learn it the hard way. I thought that was funny. Um, I thought it was great. No, I thought it was great. Um, but what I was just thinking about is like you kind of... Because if someone tells you no, that's not going to work, aren't you like... You have like, you use that word in like a very strong way and I feel like you use it... Uh, entrepreneur? Yeah, with just certain conviction. Like it's a word that's thrown around. <clears> I was just curious because there's a lot of us here who might be business owners, but we don't necessarily consider ourselves entrepreneurs. No, I'm not an entrepreneur, I'm, 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 I'm a gym. But like for you, hmm. what was, or just as an example, but like for you, like, do you remember when you started to consider yourself an entrepreneur? Yeah. What that changed? Oh yeah. Well, I've never, first of all, I've never had just one job because whatever someone else decides my salary is, is never enough. So you've had a salary, it's not, you're like, I'm worth more than that. I think that's an entrepreneurial way to think. Like, okay, we're going to pay you 100000 to push pixels around on the screen. I'm like, fine, but I deserve more than that. Um, so I've never just had the one job. This is kind of random, but when I was really little, lemonade stand, like we ran out of lemonade, and my friend was like, all right. 
right, high fives, we did great. I'm like, what the fuck, we gonna make more lemonade. There's still, we are not done with this day. You know, it's however much time into the day, if there are still people who want it, like I am making more, we are not done here. Um, so I think those little keys along the way, and also, you know, if you have been someone who really does not do well with having a boss, but you do well with not having a boss. Like I think some people think they don't do well with having a boss, but then when left to your own devices, you actually don't do very well. Um, there's a framework called the four, uh, four tendencies. It talks about how you handle expectations and um, whether you're an upholder, uh, an obliger, a questioner, or a rebel. Upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. Obligers do well answering to what other people expect of them, and most people in the world are obligers, interestingly. Questioners need to run it by their own filter. This is from um, Gretchen Rubin. Her, your own filter of like, does this make sense to me? If it makes sense to me, I'm in. And then rebels, the fuck, I, we don't know. I'm a rebel. Um, I have to feel like I want to do it. If I want to do it, I will do it. I will scrub a toilet. I will develop a spice blend. If I decide I want to do it, I will do it. It doesn't matter what someone expects of me or what I expect of myself. I have to just want to do it. And that's not that every entrepreneur has to be a rebel, but I do think that, I think being an entrepreneur when you're easily swayed by what other people want and think, I, I'm not sure. Um, and I also think that people want to be entrepreneurs entrepreneurs cool. because it sounds cool but it's actually the hardest it's the most stress the most pressure um, and ultimately the entrepreneur because remember there's only really going to be one even if you're in a 50-50 partnership somebody will care more it was somebody's idea first you know um, ultimately now I like lost my train of thought because he started moving and the clock was done and I'm like oh my god um, the entrepreneur needs a support system and a team I can't do what I do without my team because then I can't have the space to step back and like think about what's next. So if you're, if you're gonna realize that maybe you're the talent and you're not the business owner or maybe you like work with somebody and you're like, I think that person, it should be obvious. It should not be a surprise to you who the entrepreneur is in the room, right? Wherever you are. It's, I do think that most entrepreneurs can stand up in front of a room and have a conversation. Like this is not the thing that I fear. You know what I mean? I, I think you should be able to talk about what's exciting to you. I don't know. I don't know a lot of entrepreneurs who are not able to speak to people. Um, but ultimately, if that's not you, that's okay. And it's actually awesome because people like me need that right hand, that person to really rely on and count on, that person that we can really trust, who is gung-ho on a vision but just that 1% of not wanting 100% of the responsibility, but they're, but they're there for you. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I just don't want anyone to undervalue that. Like I would hate for the people on my team to not feel like I really, really value them because I can't take a break, you know, without them, so. I am. Is that helpful? Yeah, super. Oh my God, And there you have it, my friends. That was Diane Sanfilippo at The Insider, which was a great event. I'm excited. Yeah, it's cool to see someone like Diane um, come in since you do have a background with her. You have a friendship, and um, that's what makes some of these talks really powerful is that um, y- you know what they bring. So it's not like you're you're bringing in a speaker and like hoping that they deliver a good talk. Like you knew that Diane was going to bring the the real shit. Yeah. And she did. And it almost to me felt like she didn't need to give that talk, but she chose to. And that's why it was so powerful. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, when I asked her, I was almost a little hesitant, like, oh, would you want to give this talk? Uh, and, and she immediately said yes. And I was kind of surprised because I know she doesn't need to do that uh, for her business or to promote herself. She She does perfectly fine on her own so just the fact that she was willing to share uh yeah it gets me fired up and it it really gets me fired up for this year's insider 2020 in october my friends it's happening we have set dates but we're not ready to announce them yet Uh, but you and i have been talking a little bit about it how do you feel about just the conversation around the insider i'm excited i mean it's um it it's certainly going to turn into something that um 
I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And um, to see kind of how it will be the same thing in nature, but with the kind of leveled up production value and this kind of intersection between um, uh, conversations around development and bringing in art to kind of enhance and amplify these um, feelings. Like it's going to be dope. Yeah, I think so. And and the way that I've been describing it as I'm kind of writing about it and structuring it is this is a Ted talk meets a Broadway show. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's the real deal. I told you earlier, I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Like, this is what I want to go to. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, no pressure over here. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, if you're interested in attending the insider this year, uh, feel free to email me carl at freestyleconnection.com. And, uh, we would be happy to share what we're working on and how you can, uh, yeah, get your spot. Uh, reserved the the insider insider list yeah yeah insider insider list that's what it is and other than that thanks for listening guys this this season has been really fun for me because what it's allowed me to do is to really start tying in a lot of thinking that i've been doing for uh, the last three years and to see all these people that have influenced me in a positive way kind of start to weave in and out of my life it's been really cool and uh, I appreciate you guys being here and supporting. And especially, uh, I wanted to say a special thank you to those who have taken the time to support the podcast, which you can do by going to anchor.fm slash Pauli slash support. And uh, yeah, you can uh, give us a, a, a monthly contribution there, which is amazing. And the reason we're choosing to do this is because at this moment, we feel like uh, we're going to skip doing any advertising and we're just going to let this grow organically. And kind of let you be the person to decide whether uh, this thing should uh, grow in terms of production, um, reach, uh, and whatnot. Yeah. Other than that, we're super thankful, happy to be here, and uh, excited for uh, next week. Likewise. Do you know what's up? We have another talk. Yeah. Yeah, from The Insider with Tony Sherbondi. So stay tuned. Here we go. All right. Peace. Peace.